I don't know how, uh, how you felt about that opening song. I was watching the screen most of the time, and it was almost just an uncomfortable unrest in my heart. All those images, and then images on top of images, and it's, uh, I think it really reflects kind of the world we live in. There's constant distractions on there. It's really hard to, to just calm down and, and focus on one thing and really, really pay attention to one thing. If my wife was in here, she would uh, confirm that I probably have a slight case, self-diagnosed, a slight case of ADHD or ADD or whatever they call it. She might even say it's not so slight. Um, if you ask me, it's just a male condition. Um, but that video just really reflected to me the, the world of full of distractions and noise and chaos that we live in. And the verse that we're looking at this morning as part of our series, The Opposite Way, is blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. And there's so many distractions for us to, to really see God. And pure in heart to me also means there is a singleness, a single-mindedness in, in our hearts. And even that is really challenged, I think, by the culture we live in. So we've been in this series, The Opposite Way, for a few weeks now, looking at the Beatitudes, the real, really the first public teaching of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, where he lists a number of conditions and calls them blessed. And when we look at those, you know, we've looked at blessed are those who mourn, those who are poor in spirit, the meek, um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice. Those are all conditions that I don't think you and me would consider blessed. If, if we were to take a survey and say, well, what, what or who do you consider blessed? We would think of the fortunate, the people who have much, who have resources, who are healthy, who, who have had good or lucky things happen to them. <clears throat> right? And we, we, we say bless you when someone sneezes because we wish them better fortune in terms of health. We wish them health and protection. But Jesus, and that's why we call this the opposite way, he's taking conditions that we would not consider blessed. And what he's saying is, you guys have your priorities wrong. You are looking for, for comfort and for wealth to feel blessed. But you have your priorities wrong. You're looking in the wrong directions for blessing. And he's talking about conditions we would consider anything but blessed. And he says, God can redeem them. God can bless in spite or because of that. God can redeem all of that. And he's trying to, to right our, our, our focus in the right direction. Another issue I think that we have is that we misunderstand the, the word blessed in itself, that we, we consider it meaning being happy or, or fortunate. But Jesus talks about blessed, being blessed in the context of being deeply spiritually happy and fulfilled. It really talks about being the recipient of divine favor or the recipient of divine joy. So again, he's saying you're looking for, for things in this world and in this life to fulfill you and make you happy. But that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong direction. It's about spiritual blessedness, spiritual fulfillment and happiness and, and receiving God's divine favor. And I, f I find when I look at the, the Beatitudes as we've looked through them, I find there's a slight shift taking place. If you look at the first few, they are all talking about an apparent negative condition. So, poor of spirit, meaning depressed and sad or, or, or mourning and meek and, and desperate for justice. Those are all conditions that we wouldn't consider blessed, but they're conditions. And now last week we started looking more at, at things that we can proactively do to receive God's blessing. It turned from a condition to 
being, be merciful. And today we're looking at being pure in heart. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But before we dive into that passage, I would love to pray with you and invite God uh, into this process this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you with all my heart for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to meet with each other, opportunity to engage with each other, and opportunity to engage with you. And Lord, I, I don't need to invite you in. You're here, and I thank you for that. I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. And I thank you that you say in your word that your spirit will explain your word to us. And I pray that that will take place this morning. Pray that it wouldn't be my thoughts and, and my words, but that you would just use me, Lord, as your tool, that you would use me to speak your truth into our hearts and that you would draw us to respond to your word this morning. Lord, would you explain to us What, what Jesus meant when he said, Blessed, no, I drew a blank, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see you. Would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When I, when I looked at and thought of the word pure, the first things that come to my mind when I, when I think of pure are words like uh, innocence, someone innocent who's, who's pure, uh, someone clean, something clear. Uh, the Webster's just defined it as free from, from contamination, free from anything that makes it, that, that alters you, free from contamination. Or true is another word that comes to my mind when I think of pure or in Integrity, a singleness of mind is what comes to mind when I think of the word pure. As I studied the word in, in the original text here, biblically, it means something very similar. It means clean, it means being purified, and it means free. Kind of like uh, what Webster said, free from contamination. It means spiritually free from contamination. A freed, cleaned, and purified heart is what Jesus says will lead to people seeing God. I think that this, this passage has two dimensions to it that I want to address this morning, two different aspects, and I'm convinced that one of those two aspects will speak to all of you. So I'm hoping that, that this passage and this message this morning uh, will speak into all of your lives, one way or another. The first dimension, I think, that Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, is that Jesus is talking about our eternal standing in relationship to God, our eternal identity as we uh, relate with God. The Bible is very clear in saying that all of our hearts, your heart and my heart, either is or at some point was in desperate need of deep, deep cleansing. A cleansing by him that, that cleans us to the very fabric of who we are. See, the Bible tells us that we as people are really not inherently good. I know humanism uh, that tells us that we as people, we're inherently good and sometimes we slip up. But overall, the philosophy is we're really good at heart and we're getting better. I don't know about you, but as I look at history and as I read the news and watch the news, I don't think we're getting better. In fact, the Bible tells us, and, and, and I just, I, I believe that truth and I feel, I see and experience it, that we are as people inherently selfish and make inherently selfish choices that, that are destructive. Now, sometimes we slip up and we do good things, but inherently, 
our heart is corrupt and selfish and our heart needs fixing. And I think deep inside, we all know that. You know, one, one story that I often tell, or illustration to show that I, I really think we are inherently corrupt as we are born, is my sweet girl, Clara. I think she's in here. She's 14 and a half now, but I tell you, she was the cutest thing as a baby. She's still cute. Now she's a cute young lady, but she was the cutest thing. Just innocent, pure, nothing wrong with her at all. I never, ever set her down early on and said, now, Clara, as you grow up, watch out for yourself. Don't share. Be selfish and just look out for yourself. I never told her that. Yet, at some point, I started observing her taking toys from friends and discovering the word mine and me and, and me and, and mine and me and, and starting to hit, to fight for herself. And so I went to my wife and said, honey, what did you teach Clara? I mean, it's obviously a French character trait that she's exemplifying here. What is going on? Then we discovered she lied to us for the first time. Again, I said, honey, listen, that might be acceptable in France. And she insisted she didn't teach Clara any of it. And I believe she didn't. But you know what? It came out. It came out because even my sweet Clara was born with a corrupt, sinful, to use a churchy term, selfish heart that needed fixing all of our hearts your heart and my heart needs deep deep fixing and so all of us at some point we try fixing it because we know something's wrong and so some of us go I just got to be more disciplined. I just got to do better. I just got to try harder. I got to work more at this to change myself. Some of us maybe slip into, into work. I just got to work better at this. Some of us slip into religion. We slip into traditions and say, maybe I just need to, need to be more religious uh, to fix this. And we come to the point of realizing none of that works. None of it fixes what's inherently wrong in our heart. And then we become so desperate that we just start distracting ourselves from that deep felt need of fixing our hearts. We realize I can't do it. In fact, we feel worse and worse because we try and we can't do it. It just leads to more guilt and failure. And so then the only thing that works is distractions. I just got to distract myself from this, this awful condition of my heart. And so we pursue distractions, and that can mean that can be a career, that can be the pursuit of money, that can be the pursuit of all these relationships to just distract from this need that I have. It can mean, can mean drugs, it can be entertainment, it can be the distraction of comfort, it can be the distraction of alcohol to numb that pain. But we all will find something to either try and fix our hearts or to distract from the deep need of our heart. But I'm here to tell you that nothing, nothing will fix your heart. Nothing you can do or find will fix the deep need of your heart for forgiveness, for cleansing, and for purity besides Jesus Christ. He is the one who, will, who has paid the price for the sins in your heart. He has taken the guilt that so burdens you and has taken it on himself. He is the one and only who can fix your heart and he will do that once and for all.
Once your heart in its deepest fabric is cleansed and just marinated with his grace and with his life, that is done once and for all. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, meaning nothing you can do, nothing others can do or tell you, can separate you and unclean your heart that Jesus has cleansed once and for all. And what the Bible tells us is, once that has happened, you are unstained with any guilt. The, one of the, the, the definitions for pure was free from contamination. Once that has happened, once Jesus, you have accepted his forgiveness, you have acknowledged that your heart needs fixing, you've asked him to fix it, and you've received his forgiveness and grace and life, Your heart is cleansed from all spiritual contamination. It's unstained with the guilt of anything. In Acts 59, we read this, and it's talking about that now both Jews and non-Jews can receive Jesus and, and have new life. And it's written here in, in chapter 15, verse 9, He, God, made no distinction between us and them, the Jews and the Gentiles, for he purified their hearts by faith. So how are our hearts purified once and for all? By faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your guilt and for my guilt, and who rose from the, from the grave so that you and I can now have his life. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your heart, he doesn't see Christian's heart. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus, and he says, free of guilt. You're my son. You're my child. And the Bible then tells us that we will see him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The Bible tells us that if we are, have become children of his, if we are followers of Jesus, if we've surrendered our life to receive his, we're cleansed once and for all, then when we make the transition from this life to the next, we will see him face to face and we will live in his presence for eternity. That's his promise to you and to me. And eternity is a long time. And God wants to spend it with you. But only a pure and guilt-free heart can stand in the presence of a holy God. That's his plan for you. And I'll tell you, I would love to sometime in the near future give a message on what the Bible actually says eternity with him looks like. What the, what the Bible calls heaven. I, I think it would be fascinating. I'm sure some of you right now have the picture of you in a white dress with wings growing out your back and a harp on a cloud. <laughs> That is not what the Bible talks about when, when it talks about heaven. It talks about the restoration of his creation purposes, living in his presence. Oh man, I can't wait. But, but we're still here. And so we have to deal with this life right now. And I think that is the second dimension that he's talking about. But let me wrap this one up. If you are here this morning and you have not yet experienced what I've just talked about and what Jesus is talking about in this verse, if you have not yet experienced the purification, the cleansing, the forgiveness of what's in your heart, That can happen here and now and today. The offer that God is making you, that Jesus paid the price, that Jesus is willing to take your guilt, that he took it on that cross, that he was nailed to that cross so that you can live, really live with him. 
then you can accept that today. All he wants is you admitting that you are in need of his forgiveness, of his grace and his love. And once we do that, we admit that and ask him to fix our heart. He will pour all of himself into your heart, give you his presence, him living in you for all eternity. And that can happen here and now. And I just want to invite you that when I'm done here, which I'm going to make it brief today, when I'm done here and we, we transition into worshiping and singing, I would love, if you want to come and just see me or after the service, I would love to pray with you and I would love to help you uh, take the next steps. But don't delay because Jesus wants to give you life today. That's one aspect of this, that those of us who have received Jesus have received the cleansing of our hearts and forgiveness and pure hearts, we will see God. And nothing we could do in this life will ever change that. Once you're his child, you're his child. He's adopted you. And nothing you can do or others can do or say will change that. However, there is a second dimension to this that applies to our life with him and our life even as his children and followers of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we do have an ongoing need to keep our hearts cleansed and, and refined and purified. And that's what I, what I want to talk about um, here most of the rest of our time. See, there is a difference between our standing and position with God and between our experience of him in our lives. Let me try and explain that. Who has seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Most of you, I am sure. You remember the character Brooks, the old guy? He had spent almost all of his life in jail. So the movie is about a guy, is it Tim Robbins plays him, I think, who is innocently put to jail. And he meets this group of, of inmates there that he becomes close with. And one of them is called Brooks. Old guy has spent most of his adult life or life in jail. He really doesn't know anything else anymore. Eventually, he gets released. He was the guy with the, with the pet raven, I think, with the pet bird. So eventually, he gets released at a very old age. And he gets released into freedom. I mean, can you think of something better? You've spent decades locked up in a jail in bondage and chains. And finally, you're set free. And you would think, man, Brooks is just going to go and live it up and enjoy this freedom and doing what he wants and when he wants to do it, going where he wants to go and when he wants to go. And you know what happens? Brooks can't handle freedom. He can't handle not being told what to do. He can't handle not being locked up. And he sadly ends up taking his life. In another setting that maybe we're more familiar with, uh, here, or you, maybe you've encountered this or heard of this, of, of women who live in abusive relationships. And, okay, thank you. Um, Women who live in abusive relationships and hopefully at some point have the freedom, the opportunity to break free from that. You know what happens more often than not? They go back, even though there is an opportunity to live free from that and, and, and pursue life. So often they go back right into a relationship like that. And we think, what on earth? But you know what? We do that spiritually all the time. See, 
when, when we have come to Jesus and we've received his forgiveness and his life, the Bible tells us we have been set free. That's why I put it on my arm here. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 1.5. 5.1. I should know it. It's on my arm. <laughs> See, but here's what we do so often. We've been set free from the power of sin and guilt and accusation. But we're so used to that that we so often slip back into that. That doesn't mean we won't spend eternity with him. But it affects our current sense of living in this reality with him. It affects our experience of his freedom. Our choices that are outside of his will. That stain our heart again. They affect our experience of his forgiveness. They affect our sense of his presence in our life. And they affect how, how much we sense his leading and his directing. How well we see him. Here's an, an illustration that I've, I've used for that. This, this need for continuous cleansing. You know, we live in a place here, especially in the summer, that's just dusty and a lot of dirt gets rolled around. Yesterday afternoon when that wind picked up, did you see that? I mean, all of a sudden just this dust comes in and stuff falls off the trees and my windshield just gets these dots on it and, and these specks and you, you don't see very well. And I could say, you know what? It's okay, I can still see. Uh, it's all right. And then it picks up and there's more stuff on my windshield. And the longer I wait and the more I ignore it and I think, ah, it's okay, I'm okay, the less I can see. And that's going to have bad, bad consequences eventually. All I need to do is once in a while just turn that knob and, and, and clean it. And just, make, oh, 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 okay, wow, that, that's why I've been going ring. And, and, and we correct. Okay? That needs to happen in our lives spiritually. The Bible uses different pictures for that throughout the New Testament. It's some point Jesus talks about our, our need for refining our hearts continuously, refining them. At somewhere else, he talks about pruning a vine. And, and I'm, my wife could tell you and my neighbors could tell you, and if you've been to my house, you know I'm not much of a gardener. So I'm, I'm not going to go much into the pruning. I will a little bit. I want to talk about what Jesus means when he talks about refining and purifying our hearts, even though we've already been set free. I looked up uh, online that how in those times, in Jesus' times, they actually went about purifying gold. I mean, they didn't have the technical stuff that we have today to purify metals. Here's what they would do. If they would find a chunk that had gold in it, a chunk of metal or, or earth, rock, whatever, they would take that, they would dig a deep hole into the ground and place it in there, almost like a grave. And then they would cover it with really, really hot coals very high and then fan it like crazy and make it as hot as they could possibly get it to the point where all the metal would start melting and all the, the dirt and, and the metals that weren't pure gold would just melt off the gold in that piece of rock and after a while all that would be left would be the gold would be separated from all the rest at that point they would dig up well let it cool down dig up the coals and then leave all the junk in the hole and get out the gold. And they could actually get it to 99.9% .9 purity. Now to me, that's a great picture of a spiritual truth that takes place. It's actually to me a great parallel to what we symbolize in baptism. You see, in baptism, when you have made a decision to follow Jesus, when you get baptized, what you say is, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. 
and I want to identify with your death. And you go, we immerse you in water as symbolically you go to the grave to yourself. You die to yourself and you submit your life to the life of Jesus. And we symbolically do that in water to symbolize the cleansing of all sin in your life, of all guilt. And then you, we raise you up symbolically cleansed and pure, purified by God. And so this, this purifying of gold is a, is a great parallel to it. It's almost, you dig it like a grave, you place it in there, and then, and then the, this hot fire burns away what's not pure, and out comes the pure gold. And that's what Jesus says needs to happen continuously in our lives. Yes, we one time give our lives and submit it to Jesus. We die to ourselves and submit it to him. But you and I know that our heart tends to wander from him, that you and my heart makes decisions and follows things that are not of him. And each time that leads us a little bit away from God, not, not in terms of where we spend eternity with him, but in our experience of him here and now. See, whenever something becomes more important than God to us, it moves in the place between you and him. And it's going to be really hard to see him. And what this purifying and refining does that Jesus talks about is it removes the right order. It places things away that are between you and a clear sight of the God who wants to love on you and lead you. Isn't it true that hardships often help purify things in our lives, that hardships lead to us realizing what needs to go. I think it's, it's just a dynamic that God has built into creation that hardships help us focus on what's really important. When you go through hard times, then your Vizio TV and your whatever other uh, luxuries we have, all of a sudden they're not so important anymore because it focuses us on what's really important, which is usually relationships, either with people or with God. And sometimes these hardships that help, that help purify us, that God uses to purify and refine our hearts, sometimes those hardships are self-imposed, aren't they? Sometimes we go through hardships that are just based on poor choices that you and I make. And then we suffer the consequences. And what's so beautiful about God is not that he says, told you so, slap on the hand, but that he says, okay, all right. You've made a choice that wasn't good. You made a choice that was not my plan for you. But I can redeem that. I can redeem that and I will show you what's good for you. And so God, in his grace, redeems bad choices that we make in the face of, of him, in rebellion of, of, to him. But he redeems them and helps purify our hearts. And we learn through those. And then there is those refining fires that God actually intentionally brings into you in my life. Where he knows, okay, Christian, you're going down a path. You have allowed so many things to block your view of me. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to do something about this. And, and that's what God did to me in the end of last year and early this year, where he led me to a point of just ta- allowing me to take a good, honest look at my own heart and all the things that I had allowed to become more important than him Things like what you guys think about me and in all these, the stuff that was clouding my judgment and, and my view of him, the way I was ministering as a pastor, the way I was a husband and a father. And, and, I, and God just said, Christian, look at this. That's not what I want for you. 
And he drew me into this, this refining fire to say, come in here and let me burn off that stuff that you've allowed in that is clouding your vision of me. And that's not allowing you and me to be in the kind of relationship that I want you to be in with me so that I can use you in the way I want to use you, so that I can lead you in the way I want to lead you. And finally, I came to the point of desperation of saying, okay, I'm, I'm willing to go in there and I don't care how much it hurts. Because I can tell you, it will hurt. It will hurt. But I tell you too, the result on the other side, like that 99.9% pure gold, and I'm not close to 99% purity, but I will tell you, the result on the other side of that refining fire is so precious and immeasurably worthy that I would go through it again and again. It's never fun at the time, but the result of a purified heart towards God and a renewed vision of Him, a renewed experience of His presence, of His peace, and of His grace that not only I get to experience, but then get to pour out on those around me and in my life is worth it. The beauty about what God does is it is never vengeful. It's never, all right, let me stick it to him like you and I would. (laughs) It is out of a pure heart of God's love, of wanting you in a closer relationship with him. Can you believe that? The God of the universe wants you in a close, intimate relationship with him. The God of the universe wants to pour out his love and grace on you. That's why he takes us through those things. That's why he allows them because he knows it will bring you closer to him. And it brings you closer to being more in his image. That's his goal, to make you and me more and more like him and like his son. I just yesterday heard of another illustration of how now metal is purified. And it's really, really a cool picture. What's, what's done now, so this, this metal is, is melted and melted and almost heated to the point of boiling to where all the unpure stuff bubbles to the surface. And then what the metal worker does in this heat, he, he, he just shaves off the top layer of dirt And that is repeated again and again. So intense heat that brings to the surface what's not pure. And then it's scraped off. And the metal worker will do that again and again and again. And you know how he tests the purity of that metal? Eventually when it's been done over and over again, he will lean over. And when he can see his reflection clear in the metal, he knows it's pure. Now is that a great picture of what God does or not? See, God will shave off. Yes, sometimes that will mean painful heat, but it will bring to the surface what needs to go, and he will scrape it off and scrape it off throughout our life. And again and again, more like me, we will reflect him more and more as we allow this process to take place. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, the heart, biblically, is more than an organ that pumps blood through our vessels. The, the, the heart, biblically, stands for really the center of our being, the center of our personality, the center of our will and decision-making. I want to read uh, Proverbs 4.23 to you and what it says about the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, 
above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. And we could say in the context of what the Bible says about the heart, above all else, purify your heart. Above all else, allow God to purify your heart. Above all else, allow him to take possession of your heart and pour his life into it. And then above all else, pursue him, allow him to keep your heart pure, to keep purifying it. See, that's what God really wants from you. That's what he really wants from you. I want to read you one more verse in Mark chapter 12, verse 33. It says, love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than any burnt offering and sacrifice. What he's saying here is that loving him and having a pure heart after him is more important to God than religious practices. To the Jews that this was addressed to, when he says burnt offerings and sacrifices, it would have stood for all the religious traditions that they were supposed to go through to earn God's favor back. But what he's saying here is, what God wants more than anything is the freedom and the, and the permission by you to keep purifying your heart. He wants that more than anything religious that you can do to please him. I lied to you. Let me read one more verse to you. I just, it's too good not to read. And I, I know I give you a lot of verses. Maybe write down the reference. This is Psalm 51, verses 16 to 17. I just really want to drive this point home because so often we think we need to do, do, do to be pure in the sight of God. This is what Psalm 51 verses 16 and 17 says. Psalm 51, 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifices or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Again, it says... There's nothing we need to do to please him. No religious practice or tradition will bring you closer in, in, in God's acceptance of you. What he wants is a broken and contrite heart. A heart that is willing to allow him to keep cleansing and keep cleansing and keep purifying. I want to ask the band to come up. You know what this tells us is that God will purify our hearts. He will if we allow it, if we seek that from him. Because it's what he desires for us more than anything. That's what these verses just says. God wants more than anything to have permission by you to keep cleansing your heart more than anything you could do for him. So really the question in light of this verse, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. How badly do you want to see God? And you know, seeing God is not just the visual seeing and being in his presence after this life. Seeing God in this life means, means being closer to him, knowing his will for you, following him. In, in Hebrews it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to follow him in this life. Is the band coming? Band, come up. <laughs> How bad do we want to experience his presence in this life? How bad do we want to follow after him? 
And again, some of you are here this morning who've never yet made that decision to follow him. Some of you have not yet taken advantage of the offer to have your heart fixed, to accept Jesus' forgiveness and grace and his life into yours and his directing you in the purpose that you were created for. And I just again want to encourage you. All it takes is right here now to say out loud or in your heart, God, my heart is, needs fixing. My heart is messed up and hurt and wounded. And all my attempts to fix it have wounded it even more. And now my attempts to distract for it have, have just been destructive. God, would you come in? Would you fix my heart? Jesus, would you come and forgive and give me your grace? And would you give me your life? And would you lead me as I follow you? That's all it takes. And your heart is purified and you will see God. You will live with him eternally. And then those of us who, who have made that decision, who maybe you've been a follower of Jesus, maybe for a long time, and maybe you find yourself where I found myself so desperately early this year, almost completely lacking the actual experience of God's freedom in my life lacking the experience of his presence. You think, God, where are you? What is going on? Lacking the experience of his grace and all you have is judgment for yourself and others. And I want to challenge you and me because I go through this. We all go through this off and on. I, I can almost guarantee you that if you're a follower of Jesus and you're feeling the way I've just described, then I almost guarantee you there's something in your life that isn't resolved between you and God. That there is an issue or multiple that, that you need to bring before him and just not do something about it and fix it, but allow him to say, God, show me what's there. Show me what's keeping me from really experiencing your freedom. And I allow you to take it away. I allow you to prune and cut it off. I allow you to burn off what needs to go. And again, I guarantee you that's going to be a more or less painful process but the result is going to be priceless. So I want to encourage you here towards the end of this, this message. In the beginning, we saw that video of all oh, those noises. And it's really hard to hear God and to allow God to show you what's in your heart with all these noises and distractions in our life. You know, God says in his words, says, be still and know that I am God. I think that's something we, especially in our culture today, need to learn more than maybe any generation before is to shut out those noises, shut out all those distractions and the chaos around us that we live in and really allow him to speak to our hearts. And we're a pretty loud church, but I want to give you an opportunity to, to just really calm down right here now and just, just sit still. We're going to show a little bit here on the screen said, I would love for you to just focus on and just rev down that engine. Just shut out all the thoughts that are already distracting you about, oh no, I have to pick my kids up in AC and, and I have to feed them and, and all the stuff that's weighing on your mind. Just, just ask Jesus to just calm your mind and then honestly ask him, what is it in my heart that you need to purify? What is it that stands in, my, in the way of my full experience of you and your freedom? and then hand it to him. Let's listen to him.